And now to what's been described in Foreign Policy magazine as the most important election of 2023. With over 200 million people, Nigeria is Africa's largest democracy after transitioning from military rule in 1999. A remarkable 70% of Nigerians are under the age of 30. Today, about 90 million Nigerian voters went to the polls to elect a new parliament and also a new president because incumbent Muhammadu Buhari has served the maximum of two terms. Polls closed a few hours ago and joining us to discuss the latest on the Nigerian election is regional editor West Africa at The Conversation Africa, Adejuan Soyinka. Welcome to Sunday Extra, Adejuan. Thank you. It's great to be speaking with you. Uh, Adejuan, 17 men and one women, woman uh, are on the presidential ballot. Much of the pre-election hype has been about the possibility that Peter Obi might defeat the two main party candidates, Bola Ahmed Tinubu uh, from Buhari's ruling All Progressives Congress and from the uh, People's Democratic Party, uh, Atiku Abubakar, who's running for the sixth time, I note. Uh, the polls have now closed. Uh, does it look like uh, Peter Obi uh, might take out the presidential election? Oh, well, um, I think the first thing to say is that, yes, the polls have closed um, in most parts of the country. However, there are, a few, there are still a few places where the polls are still mm. going on, as we speak, uh, quite on unusually. Uh, well, 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 this happened in 2019 as well in some places. Uh, polls opened quite late in most places today due to logistics uh, challenges and challenges of security. Um, so, so just just to note that for 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 your audiences, there are a few places where there's still polling going on as as late as we speak now, which is about nine. 29 p.m. West African time. Mm. Um, however, it's still because the polls are still open in a few places. It's still too early to determine or um, begin to speculate yes. on who might or may not win. Um, but, but of course, a significant um, shift in the mindset of the voters. It is a significant shift also in the numbers of voters. Um, this year, you had about 93.5 million people registered to vote. Um, as of the time the polls um, opened, there were about 87 million of those who actually um, picked up their voters' card and would be able to vote. And voters' turnout has been um, you know, quite impressive. Um, but higher than I would I would have expected. Yes, in I, most parts of the country. Yeah, the, the BBC has been reporting a, a high turnout, and it, and I believe that's a factor in why uh, some polling is still happening, and because anyone who was in the queue was was allowed to vote. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So if you were if you've been um, accredited to vote as at two thirty p.m. West African time, then you will be allowed to vote regardless of how long um, it might take. And in a few places, there have been long queues. Uh, also, you know, you know, uh, compounded by the fact that um, voting materials arrived late in some places. Uh, the Independent National Electoral Commission has blamed that on logistics challenges, and also also paid partly blaming it on insecurity in some parts of the country. 
On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with regional editor for West Africa at The Conversation, Adejuan Soyinka, about Nigeria's elections. Uh, and uh, Adejuan, I wonder if you could just describe for us the significance of the fact that there is now a credible third candidate for, I mean, obviously there's lots of candidates, but a third credible contender for the presidency compared to the tradition of a two-party system in Nigeria. It's, it's a significant shift in the voting uh, pattern and in the voting process in Nigeria. And, and uh, it's beyond the fact that you have a third credible option for voters, so to speak. You also have this, you know, a significant shift in the voters' demographics. So you have a, I mean, over 70% of the registered voters are youths, you know, mm. young people, you know, are, some of them who are voting for the first time. And, and and they've they've come into the process with a different kind of mindset, with a different kind of approach to the electoral process in itself, and a different kind of uh, understanding of what voting should be and what democracy should look like. Uh, one of the different things that the young ones have brought into the into the uh, democratic process in Nigeria is that they've kind of totally jettisoned what we used to describe as political structure. You know, so there's this, there was always this argument that look, to win the presidency in Nigeria, you needed to contest on the platform of a political party that has wide, you know, structure, established structure across the country in different parts of the country because of the huge size of the country and the mm. huge population. But got a new generation of voters who felt, no, you know, discard the idea of a political structure. Actually, we, the people, are the structure. And that we can mobilize ourselves using the social media platform. And that's what they've effectively done with the candidacy of Mr. Peter Obi, who is, you know, effectively now the the third you know, option. Mm. And possibly uh I, I mean, regardless of how the result goes, you know, it's clear, you know, he's made he's made history as um, someone who's come from, you know, practically almost literally nowhere. Uh, who was most, most likely derided at the beginning of the campaign exercise as um, you know as some as as a non-starter, mm. as someone who doesn't have a platform, and as a noisemaker on social media. Uh, but as the campaign you know uh, grew and went along, it became clearer and clearer that um, this individual and his supporters actually beyond just noisemakers on social media. And uh, they could possibly translate the social, what looked like a social media internet movement into actual votes and possibility of even you know, uh, defeating the more established uh, political parties yes. uh, and older political parties. And we're seeing that reality play out already with the way they've been able to mobilize voters to come out. Uh, that's played a part in the in the in the in the high voters uh, turnout that we've seen so far, it, it certainly seems that Peter uh, Obi has uh, sort of won the campaign. Uh, what exactly is the process from here for determining who becomes the president? Because there is the prospect, isn't there, of a of a runoff election? Yes, there is a prospect of a runoff election if no candidate meets the constitutional requirement. And the constitutional requirement for you to become Nigeria's president is that you win a simple majority, um, and then you also win um, 25% of votes cast in 
two thirds of the states of the federation. Now you have uh-huh. 36 states of the federation, so you need to win 25% of votes cast in 24 states. So you have to have both factors. You need to tick off those two factors. One, simple majority. Two, 25% of votes cast in 24 states of the federation. Uh, only when you have a candidate who's met those two criteria do you have a winner. Uh, in an event where someone or none of the candidates meets those two, then there will be a runoff between the two who have the highest right. uh, simple majority I votes. Yeah. It's interesting thinking about the, the, that state requirement. I did want to ask you about, as well as the the demographic factor of young people, and another important part of Nigerian politics is the north-south divide. How much have those demographic factors played out in this election? So we've seen that play out, especially in Lagos, the commercial uh, city. Uh, one of the interesting things about this election and the the you know demographics or we call it the ethnic background of the three leading candidates is that they kind of evenly distributed. So Abubakar Atiku is from the northern part of the country, uh, Peter B is from the southeastern region of the country, and Bola Ahmed Tinubu, the presidential candidate of the ruling party, is of the southwest region of the country. And these regions are actually also are responsible or are actually the own base of the three largest uh, ethnic groups in Nigeria. So you have an election in which the three largest ethnic groups have each have candidates uh, in the top running, and that's kind of shaped the the narrative and the discourse here mm. and there. Um, and a, a, another factor that has played out in a place like Lagos, from some of the early results that we've seen in the course of the day, is that places where parts of Lagos that would traditionally vote for the People's Democratic Party, which used to be the leading opposition party up until uh, the Labour Party came on the, on the scene, now most of them are voting for the Labour Party. Um partly because of the ethnic composition of people who live in those areas of Lagos and the fact that uh, now they have a candidate in the Labour Party and they kind of moved their votes. That's really to, interesting. To that side. So some of those early results we've seen have kind of indicated that. Um, so you have that kind of spread across the country. I imagine that each of these three major uh, candidates will do quite well in their regions. Okay. And the deciding factor would be how much influence, how much votes an individual candidate might be able to get from other regions apart from his own region. Yes. And that's what would separate the winner from the rest. Uh, Adejuan, uh, outgoing President Mohamedou Buhari won the last two elections and was also the military ruler of Nigeria for uh, two years after a coup in 1983. How would you describe the legacy of his eight years as president? Well, I think it's um, it's in two sides. Uh, there's some good part of it and there's some not so good part of it. Um, you know, in spite of what anybody might say about his administration, he did some work in, in the area of infrastructure development, so construction of roads, completion of rail projects in different parts of the country, reintroduction of rail lines in, in, in the country that Itadu was dead, um, construction of the second Niger Bridge, which is a major arterial bridge connecting 
the um, southeastern region of the country to the southwestern region of the country and the rest of in the, uh, other parts of the country. Um, so you'll be remembered for some of this infrastructural work. Um, but of course, he would um, also be remembered in a negative way uh, in terms of how he managed the economy. The economy, you know, fared badly under his watch, um, some of it down to um, his own policies that haven't been quite well thought through and some of it um, down to external shock, like um, COVID, um, like the the war in Ukraine, the Russia invasion of Ukraine, and, and of course, the, at some point, crash in global price of crude oil, which is the main export stable mm. of Nigeria, and at some point, the rise in the price of crude oil. Either yes. way, Nigeria suffers because of the lack of capacity to refine uh, our crude products locally. So certainly a mixed legacy there. Uh, Adejuan Soyinka, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Adejuan is regional editor, West Africa at The Conversation Africa, and it's expected that the new president, or the results at least, of today's presidential election in Nigeria should be known within a couple of days. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.